Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Gray's Academy. That's right. It's your most favorite Gray's Anatomy podcast in the whole internet. I am one of your hosts, Kelsey. And I am one of your hosts, Carmen, and it is a beautiful day to podcast, even if one of us is sitting on their deathbed ready to die at any moment. It's me. Hi. <laughs> You're I'm the dying. sick one. You're dying. It's you. <laughs> Uh, so we, we were just having this conversation a little bit and I was like, let's, let's save this for the podcast because this is good. This is good, tiny, tiny banter, which we don't always get to do to start off the episodes, but you're not feeling well. No, I'm eating crackers. I think I'm not sure if it was food poisoning or not. My dad said there was like a really bad stomach bug going around. So like, I'm hoping that that's it and it's done now, but I like, I'm so dehydrated from just like, you know, vomiting. (laughs) so much yes that'll get you <laughs> um and i'm like yeah i have a headache from being dehydrated but it's fine i had but some you rest were today. you were saying that you're drinking yes uh, i have a sprite and also a powerade to replenish my electrolytes and to which i said but do you have that good good starry and you didn't know what was going I on i don't with that. know so, what that is so you know sierra mist yes forget about it sierra mist is dead well, I don't like it anyways. I mean, it's fine, but it's a what? Pepsi product. Why would I have Sierra Mist when I can have Sprite? I mean, that's fair. I actually like Sierra Mist a little bit better than Sprite, but here's the deal. Sierra Mist oh. is gone. Sierra Mist is no longer in existence, and it's being oh. replaced by Starry. Why? Is it the I same don't, thing? Hold, I, I, hold on. Did now they I need just to look rebrand? This I think they just rebranded it. How do you know this? Where did you hear this information? Because it's the internet. It's all over the internet. <laughs> I am um, on the internet so much, and I have not seen this. Uh, let's see. Starry. I guess it would be. I can't just put starry. Starry soda. Starry. Also, are you one of those people that say soda or pop? I say Coke because I live in the South. Oh, that's right. Everything is Coke. <laughs> uh, let's see. Pepsi's new Gen Z soda. A futile attempt. At generational marketing uh but yeah starry <laughs> is replacing january 9th 2023 yeah. wild yeah so now if you go on and you're trying to find if you got a pack of sierra mist uh now is the time to throw that shit on ebay it's the twinkie saga all over again <laughs> anyways so weird. i didn't know that you didn't know about that no because i live in coke land <laughs> Literally and figuratively. Mm-hmm. Everything is Coke. Uh, anyways, 
Hello, my friend. Uh, before, if uh, if you uh, first time listening, give Kelsey some, uh, give her some slack, give her the benefit of the doubt on her deathbed here. I'm doing uh, my best. <laughs> doing her best. It's for the content. We actually almost were, we were sitting there and this episode almost didn't happen. And we're like, no, the fans, the fans, the listeners it. need us. Um, but uh, before we go any farther, uh, do just want to say uh, hit that like, hit that subscribe button, hit that follow button. Uh, wherever you listen to your podcast, click on that five star review button. Click on that share to your Instagram story, share to your Facebook story. Tag us at Gray's Academy Pod uh, on Instagram. Uh, if you want to tag us directly at uh, Carmen.Gabriel.Official, at Chaotically Kelsey on Instagram, we're both there. Uh, do, give the Instagram a follow uh, at Gray's Academy Pod because if we ever don't record an episode, that's where you'll find it. And uh, also make sure to, if you're listening on uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, write a little review out and we will shout it out on air. And then feel free to subscribe to our Patreon. Uh, did we get those last two episodes uploaded? We have a couple new pieces of content that we just um, did. Is they it uploaded? Will Are they live? Be up by the time this goes live. Awesome. So there, there's going to be two fresh, stanky new pieces of content on Patreon for all of you to listen to. One is a fanfic uh, reading live, which is great. Uh, and then the other one is final thoughts on... No, it's initial nope. thoughts on scandal. Initial thoughts on scandal. And then the final thoughts on how to get away with murder will be uh, the next episode we put on Patreon. So, Kelsey, over to you, my friend. Thank you so much. Um, this is the fourth episode of the fourth season. So it's the golden episode, the fourth season. Uh, episode 65 overall called The Heart of the Matter. And that's a song. That's a song by uh, the legend Don Henley. Uh, are you a Don Henley fan, Kelk? I'm, I, I'm not not a fan, but I don't seek it out. But I don't like think that it's bad. Got it. Uh, I'm a fan. Uh, I like I like a lot of his songs. Um, I had a chance to listen to this one, and it definitely gave me uh, um, a lot of like reminiscing vibes because it's not like I just I don't just listen to Don Henley all the time. But he's the one who did the Boys of Summer. All she wants to do is dance. The End of Innocence. Um, New York Minute. You know, those are some of his big his big hits uh, of of many. He's got a lot. But uh, anyways, the song, The Heart of the Matter, a little bit of information about that. It's from uh, his third album, The End of Innocence, The End of the Innocence, I apologize, which released in 1989. Um, Now, uh, this was written by Henley, Mike Campbell and J.D. Souther. Uh, so produced by all of them and it reached as high, uh, on, uh, as number 21 on the billboard hot 100 and as high as number two on the mainstream rock tracks. Now I wanted to look up a little bit about the, the album real quick. So this album itself did chart and reach as high as number eight on the U S billboard hot 200. Um, it also reached as high as eight in Canada. So just to want to point that out, um, the highest that it uh, reached as a single was, again, the number 21 on uh, the Hot 100 in the United States. Didn't chart too well internationally, reached uh, 
seven for the top singles in Canada at one point, but it at the at the year end chart at fifty one in Canada. So, um, overall, I love this song. Definitely had a chance to. I mean, I, I this one is already on my my playlist yeah. here. So uh, you I already would download this. it. I would download five out of five. Uh, uh attending out of attending. <laughs> uh, but the, the chorus of the song I've been trying, uh, I've been trying to get down to the heart of the matter, but my will gets weak and my thoughts seem to scatter, but I think it's about forgiveness, forgiveness, even if, even if you don't love me anymore. So when I first listened to the song and I was like really listening to the lyrics, sitting, sitting there kind of in the zone before watching this, uh, episode, I thought it was going to be about, uh, Derek and Meredith, I was hoping that their, their shitty saga was finally coming to an end. Uh, but then I was like, Oh wait, shit. Like literally the end of the last episode is, uh, George telling Callie that he cheated on mm-hmm. Izzy or he cheated on her with Izzy. So I thought maybe there's going to be some forgiveness kind of there with, uh, with them. And then, you know, you get the first opening scene with them, which we'll get to in a moment. And it's, oh, I forgive you. And then obviously forgiveness is the whole theme of this yeah. uh, episode. So um, I was wrong uh, in my Derek and Meredith thought, but uh, obviously it plays very well into the theme with the Callie storyline here. So with that, my friend, uh, I bounce it back to you to continue our conversation. Thanks. So we'll start with the recap, which was um, like George and Izzy obviously had sex and he told Callie finally. Um, uh, Oh, Meredith and Derek are having breakup sex. Norman is there and he's old. Lexi is there and she's annoying. (laughs) Weber's niece has cancer. Alex and Izzy had that kiss a long time ago with the guy with the fake pecs. Uh, And George told Callie about Izzy. So. That was the recap. So we pick up immediately after, well, not immediately, but like relatively soon after George has told Callie about the Izzy situation. Um, I think it's worth noting that George told Callie that he had sex with Izzy, but we, the audience knows he is in love with Izzy. And I do think those are very different distinctions. Yeah. Yep, yep, because yep, yep. I definitely think personally, I do think um, like infidelity is something people can get past. But if you like tell your spouse that you love someone else, like I think that is more difficult to overcome personally. I don't know. I've not done either, but I feel like that would be more difficult than just being like, oh, I just had this like one like mistake of a physical whatever that happened and but I want to like fix this. And right. He told Callie that he slept with Izzy. And I mean, I feel as though George wants Callie to be the one that ends it, even though he did the thing that deserves the ending. Um, but he doesn't want to be the one that's responsible for his actions. So yeah. he kind of is like, so shut like, him or her forgiving him, I don't even feel like crossed his mind when he was like, I'm going to tell her. Um, and the fact that she does, you can definitely see it in his reaction. He's like, what's that now? It is what? it is crazy that the one who uh, gets cheated on sometimes, whether it's uh, a couple month uh, marriage or if it's a couple year relationship, uh, the one who cheats doesn't always be the one who breaks up and... Uh, you know, sometimes 
and not all the times because I don't think that George specifically was doing this. Um, I don't know if George was self-sabotaging. I think that maybe there was some self-sabotaging there, but typically there are cheaters who self-sabotage because mm-hmm. they're not strong enough to physically break up with the person. Yeah, um, and they and are shocked the other person's hand, and, and then and then it does and then it doesn't right. Yeah, um, you know and. Man, yeah, it's just it's so crazy. It's I'm I'm getting a little bit of a deja vu moment here, and I don't know why. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, George is floored, obviously, that that Callie would forgive him. And then I think carrying through the episode, it's pretty obvious that she most certainly didn't forgive him. Right. She just declared that she did, and then like moved on with her life. It's like she declared bankruptcy. She did declare it, but it wasn't it wasn't done. Yeah. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. I, I will say shout out to me for a correct prediction <laughs> for this episode. You did say Starting... it was going to pick right up after that in the hotel room. Shout out, Carmen. Incredible. Beautiful. Um, so, yeah, this episode, um, I just realized that I did nothing before we started this episode. I'm so sorry. This episode was written by Alan Heinberg and directed by Randy Zisk. It aired October 18th, 2007 to 18.4.04 million views. And the Netflix synopsis is Izzy gets an unexpected reaction when she reveals her feelings about George to a mutual friend, which is Mm. true. But also, like, so many other things happened in this episode. So, so many things. It's a bizarre so many. choice to focus on, I feel like. So just a, just a quick additional recap for, for those of you who are, are trying to either li- – you haven't watched this episode and you're listening in, you're trying to remember. Uh, we have the return of Camille, uh, mm-hmm. right? Her, her cancer is back. That's obviously very crazy. Um uh, and Adele comes back with, yes. with Camille. She comes in and she can't breathe. Uh, you've got uh, not too much going on with the interns in this episode. You've got Just Ruthie. Lexi, mostly. Yeah. Ruthie Sales uh, mm-hmm. is she came in with her boyfriend. She was on a treadmill, fell and broke her foot. Uh, the football kid, um, he comes in paralyzed and he's got like oh, a shitty dad. His dad is a piece of shit. Yeah. And. And then there's basically a learning curve, like side story with Meredith and Norman basically mm-hmm. telling, accidentally telling someone that she's going to die and she's not. So yes. those are just some of the other storylines to get you guys caught up and we'll, we'll tackle those. But just so you're like, let that help jog all of your memories. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and also uh, Izzy and Callie, they imply that there's going to be a physical altercation between the two of them oh, in the cafeteria, yeah. but that is not the situation not like so should we should we just start there like i feel like that's let's start with that (laughs) so callie finds izzy and is like we need to talk right off the bat we need to talk words is what she said is callie intimidating yes does and just because someone is intimidating does that mean they are going to physically beat the shit out of you no no not always and it's just like the jump all it takes is one of izzy's interns being like oh my god she's gonna beat her up for izzy to be like oh my god she's gonna beat me up and then all of a sudden the whole hospital knows the whole fucking hospital it's wild but also let's let's not forget that we have that scene 
either last season or this season where Callie was ready to go in and kill Meredith. Yes. <laughs> like, and I think that was over George, George. finding out about Sloan and her bang. Yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. there obviously is an intimidation factor that we've established and Izzy has seen it firsthand. Mm-hmm. But outside of Izzy, only Meredith has, has seen it. And Meredith is like so far removed from this drama. She's yeah. not even, no, she is in the, she is in the cafeteria when it happens. That's, That's like the only time they're in the same place. I feel like though. Yeah. So it's just dumb. Interns are these, her interns especially are fucking stupid. Yeah. Uh, Izzy does have the worst interns, I think. But she's the worst resident. Also true. <laughs> yeah. Uh, remember uh, when Izzy was your favorite? Izzy still How is my favorite when it comes to... Fi- Did you see the picture I sent you last night? Yes. <laughs> There's a terrible, just horrid screenshot uh, that I paused when I was taking notes. And it's when Weber and Izzy were talking in the and Alex were in the room and she did the emergency uh, uh, tracheotomy thing. And uh, it's just... A terrible screenshot of her, but I digress. <laughs> yeah, I think we've both done it where we pause, and it's just like in the m- most incredible moment where someone's eyes are like halfway blinking, and they're mid speech, so they're like, like the face, it's like <laughs> their ah! eyes are rolling like, into their head. <laughs> yeah, it looks like they're just like losing all ability to control their bodily functions. Um, but yeah, so. Izzy sucks and her intern sucks. So I feel like that that's fair because they both suck. Um, So yeah, the cafeteria saga. Here's what I find interesting is that no one puts two and two together. Everyone in the hospital knows, quote unquote, knows that Callie is going to kick Izzy's ass in the cafeteria, but nobody knows why. And no one has guessed the basically only thing it could possibly be. That like, was one of the beats that be I about? had. <laughs> yeah. Like she, I, to this point, while Callie is, obviously there is an intimidation factor that they've established. They've never established that she, uh, is so angry about her patients. Like she's a good doctor and yeah. I don't think she takes things personal. So even if Izzy were to do something where it screwed up a patient, it's not going to end in a fight. Like this has mm-hmm. to be personal. And how no one put two and two together is pretty crazy. Or how they don't go into the side conversations of the rumor of why they're fighting, right? Yeah, no one's even talking about it. Everyone's just like, oh, yeah, they're going to fight. You know, like normal grown adults fight in hospitals where they're doctors. That's what doctors do. They royal rumble in their own hospitals and they get paid millions of dollars to do it. Everyone is just accepting that this is going to happen. And... No they, one's de-escalating they would at all. Get fired. I feel like even just the concept of this being talked about, someone would hear it and be like, "We are going to shut this down now." Yeah, yeah. Your uh, wife's in HR. I feel like she could uh, <laughs> contribute to that conversation. I was just about to say. Well, but but remember, Seattle Grace has no HR department. Clearly. Remember. Um, so I like the opening scene though, where, where the, it's, you have, uh, Meredith and Christina are talking to each other and, um, Meredith's like, Oh, I lost, I lost a patient. And they're like, well, how bad was it? And she's like, no, no, no. Like I literally lost, like she left. And then she's like, Oh, I lost an intern. And she's like, no, like literally, uh, I lost an intern, which is, which is hilarious. And Christina gets a good, a good line there. 
because um, they're talking about how great they were. Like, oh man, we were such a good at res- yeah. uh, intern class. These interns suck. And then uh, Meredith was like, I was great. And Christina goes, I was great. You, you were, you, you were, were good. good. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a bit later in the episode because that's after Norman runs away. Right, right, right. Yeah, the, this this scene, this lunch scene in general is is very. It's like almost smack dab in the middle of of the episode. Yes, um, yes. Uh, and Christina, I don't know why I noticed this, but I was like, "Why are you eating blueberries with a fork, Christina? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> blueberries do not require a fork." I was just like very fixated on that. <laughs> Even the largest of blueberries. Well, and, and blueberries in a yogurt, maybe, but that's a mm, spoon. Yeah. Uh, uh, so yes, the. Uh, well, I also want to mention the opening scene where George is running around trying to find Izzy. Um, Cause I do find there's like some physical humor in that of just like the running and sprinting and he runs into the cart full of supplies yes. and he runs and he finally sees Izzy. And I just also, I don't know why I think this is so funny when she's like, is that a seven or a nine? If I have to stop and ask myself that question, then someone died. You killed them with your handwriting. I just think that's so funny. And it's like very irrelevant, but that definitely ties in to the whole Norman and Meredith situation where they like read the room number wrong. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, it's all coming together. <laughs> Great writing, everyone. Um, and it's also it's funny because that that gets talked about. in I think every medical show because doctors are notorious for having bad handwriting yeah. and um, nurses as well. And it's like there was a scene in Scrubs where uh a delivery driver comes in. He's like, I got to deliver this order of bedpans. And also I'm here to pick up my metal. And the nurse is like, uh, why? And he's like, for reading this chicken scratch handwriting. <laughs> and Ba-da-ba. they all, yeah. And they all like ev- eviscerate him. And they're like, I will not take orders from someone who wears shorts to work. So, um, <laughs> which is just savage as fuck. But, um, yeah, I did make a note when George was running around. I was like, this fucking guy, this guy yeah he runs and he's into in the front of weber clinic he runs into like all over the hospital then weber tells him where is he is so he like sprints and he's like whoo founder and then Callie pops out of nowhere and then he's like and he hides because he's such a stand-up person yeah well even weber was like oh yeah uh dr torres was looking for her too uh yeah. or something like that which is funny um re-watching the lunch scene specifically did you have any feelings, especially around the Izzy and Callie dynamic that you want to shout out? Because I have some feelings. Um, I mean, I think Callie touches on it later on in the episode when she's like, you humiliated me in my relationship and also in my workplace, because now like all of these people think that I was going to walk in and like beat the shit out of you. Um, and all those people were watching and it was just like, a bummer for Callie. This whole episode's a bummer for Callie. Obviously, she has some big feelings that she has not worked through. Um, and we'll touch on that in a bit. But uh, tell me about your cafeteria feelings. So I I like Callie, but she's not like a main she's not my favorite character in the show. But when I think about people that I've empathized <laughs> with the most, it's been Addison. Um <laughs> It's been a little bit of uh, Christina and it's been now Callie a lot in this episode because she has this this moment where when she's like, you thought I wanted to fight you podcast, John, Uh, (laughs) 
Callie's like, Izzy, you thought I wanted to fucking fight you? And she looks around and she sees everyone and Izzy's sitting there stretching and taking her shoes off like an idiot. Don't fucking take your shoes off before a fight, you dummy. Uh, but there's this moment where Callie's like, oh, so this is what the hospital thinks of me. Yeah. And it's not just a like this group of residents, the, the friendship group, right? It's this is what the whole hospital thinks of me. Yeah. And this is terrible. I'm a professional. What is happening? So I felt really bad in that moment. Um, and obviously I was like, Izzy, you fucking asshole. You're just yeah. so selfish and stupid. And you could have nipped all of that in the butt. Last episode, it was Norman not owning the scenario. And now this episode, it's Izzy not owning the scenario. Yeah. And also like... um, at the beginning when George finds Izzy and they're talking and Izzy's like, she breaks bones for a living. She's crazy. And I'm like, don't call her crazy because you slept with her husband. Right. Stop gaslighting people. Like I just, that's not, you are the one that did the bad thing. Don't call her names. So that annoyed me, but I will say George does say she's not crazy, which is surprising that he basically is like kind of defending her. And then kind it's kind of like a, quick little moment but i do think it's worth noting that he does say well she's not crazy um so yeah i don't know this is just like it's a very bizarre like if you were to think about the reality of that situation happening at like a workplace like if i heard oh so and so and so and so are planning to fight i would not be like oh i'll go to that i would be like should we like call security (laughs) right can we stop this from happening (laughs) This isn't like high school where, and you went to an all girls high school, right? I did. Yes. And I'm not saying that girls don't fight, but let's be real. Guys are stupid in high school <laughs> and the, and guys fight a lot, which is dumb. Uh, but I remember specifically there was, uh, people would call out fights and the whole school would know like, oh yeah, this person's fighting this person, but it wasn't, they're going to do it in the cafeteria. It's they're going to go behind the baseball stadium back where it's no longer school property yeah, after back school. Where it's going to take a million years for an adult to get back there. Right. Uh, like they're going to fight there. Be there if you want to see it. But it's not. Hey, guys, lunchtime. We're all going to fucking ruin our lunches by yelling at some stupid assholes fighting each other. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's so but yes. the rumors spread. Rumors do spread very quickly on on the note of girls fighting, I will say there were teachers that I had that had come from other places, um, where there were more fights and they said that the girls fought less, but when they did fight, it was like way worse because they're like hair, they're not just punching each other. They're like hair pulling. They're like digging nails into people and like pulling hair out. Um, I think I tell this story all the time because I just think it's so funny. Uh, I went to uh, one school for six through 12. So in the seven years that I was there, um, it was there was one fight the whole time I was there and it was hardly even a fight. Like you can't even call it that. It was after school at a practice for um, crew, which is like rowing. And uh, this there were two girls. They were the year below me. And one of them, I guess, was like she had on like spandex shorts that she rode in and the girl that sat behind her in the boat was like, Hey, can you wear different shorts? Because those are see-through and I don't want to look at your thong during our whole practice. And the one in the front goes, 
oh my god you're so annoying it makes me want to punch you and the one the other girl goes well then do it and so she did and that was <laughs> that was it she just got one punch in and then i think she had like in school suspension for like three days or something i was like this is so anticlimactic <laughs> <laughs> then do it it's like those <laughs> those memes which you know i love it's like if star wars ends differently and then it cuts to the credits mm-hmm. it's like well punch me okay punch and credits roll credits <laughs> like this the movie's over no movie yeah, yeah. um Anyways, so then the, to put the icing on the cake for this particular scene, uh, Alex gets the ultimate end quote zinger Ugh, yeah. of, I guess they realized they were fighting over fucking nothing. Nothing right to George. Like, so savage. And this is yes. now two episode, episodes in a row where Alex is a dick to George, but one of them in this moment kind of makes sense at least you can understand why this this makes sense yeah on that note were you (sighs) surprised by his reaction when izzy told him about her and george a little bit um so let's let's talk about this dynamic then i think this is a good segue i kind of felt like alex was over izzy yeah i mean i think he is because of the whole ava thing i just think it's more of like he he had kissed her in the episode with the guy with the pecs. And she was like, I'm not ready because of Denny. Right. And so I think for him in his mind, he was like, Oh, when she is ready, it'll be me, not George. And so I think he was just his, I think it was like a pride ego thing more than like, Oh, I want her because I really do think he, I mean, and they say it again, like, Oh, you're carrying a big old torch for Ava. Um, obviously there's like reference that has been referenced more than once. Um, so uh yeah i think it was more of just like an ego thing of like oh you won't sleep with me but you'll sleep with george o'malley <laughs> gross yeah <laughs> fucking uh intern year two george o'malley yeah uh yeah it's i guess that makes more sense um because my head went right to he still got feelings and then I think I made a note of they're going to fuck uh, <laughs> official prediction. And for me, it's also, I don't know if this is a guy thing or if it's, if girls do this too, but I remember also in, in high school, if there was, if I was in a relationship with a girl and there was a girl that I had liked, but she was maybe in a relationship with a, with a, with a guy and like things didn't line up. I remember that I would feel every once in a while like, oh, you you can be happy, but you can't date someone until we're done dating so that I could date you. <laughs> and like hedging your bets as right. a relationship like the thing. the timing working out basically. Exactly. And I, I kind of think Alex is maybe thinking that of, you know, I'm going to be involved emotionally with this patient, which – fuck off and i'm gonna go have sex with addison which again fuck off but the second you're ready izzy you better be ready to come talk to me yeah you better call me first yeah it's a double standard yeah for sure um Um, yeah i can't speak to that much i didn't really date a lot in high school so i can't really speak on like the oh man the timing didn't work out you better call me when you're single so that i can make myself available to you yeah. And even if it was like, 
I remember there was one time, so I was dating a girl, but I, I had big feelings for this other girl. Um, also watching you refill that was very impressive. Thank um, you. Thank you. I did hear, I did hear the, the pouring at one point, but other than that, it was very, I muted very it when I opened seamless. it. Oh, there you go. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I had big feelings for this one girl and then she started dating this guy, but like I was about to break up with this girl and I was like, why didn't you tell me? And, uh, we never dated. We never dated. It was all, I mean, we, we, we are friends and to this day, every once in a blue moon, obviously there's no feelings now. I have a wife and I've got a baby. Um, but every once in a while, like, uh, I'll just think back and I'm like, man, remember that one time? Like that was fucking dumb. Why did I think that? Uh, but that's just a guy thing. It's just like, I think the thought of someone else owing you like their timeline and story and like their feelings like they have to have the feelings you expect them to have which isn't fair really no i mean like i understand where alex is coming from and i think it tracks with his character but um i also am like "Eh, it's a bit much yeah agreed uh so what else what else where where do you want to take this next we talked about obviously the big lunch scene um there's more to alex in this episode that i think we could talk about um, yeah. but where do you want to go next? Well, we'll, uh, talk on, let's go over Camille. Cause like Alex is involved in the Camille Wait. scenario. Yes. Before we talk about Camille. Yes. I have to give someone a shout out. Oh, okay. Please go. Uh, I want to give a shout out to our friend, Megan, uh, who recently found, found the show. And, uh, I had a chance to, uh, message her back and forth a little bit and connect and, and get to hear uh, some of the things that she loves about the show. And some of the, she gave us some really good feedback. Um, a couple of things that she said is loves uh, the, uh, the living in Shondaland episode uh, piece, which obviously uh, want to take a second and shout out Kelsey with that too, because there's a ton of work. There's a ton of cross referencing that goes into that. Um, but that's one of uh, Megan's favorite segments as well as, uh, the stats for song of the week, uh, which has become a lot of fun as a musician to learn about other musicians. And today, uh, obviously getting a chance to listen to a song I haven't heard in a long time. So, uh, Megan, we're going to try to get you on the show sometime, uh, because she is in the TV and, uh, film industry. So she has uh, a lot of feelings and she's rewatching this and, and very thankful, uh, that we were down to a couple of uh, different podcasts that she was starting. And she said, quote unquote, yours was the clear favorite. I enjoy Hello. the split of a new listener with a longtime viewer. And uh, we're not going to give away exactly where she worked, but uh, there was a place that the three of us all worked at one point we of our lives. We may have all had that in common. Maybe. Hmm. Um, hmm. And then the last thing that she wanted me to say, uh, we were talking about this, was you got to call out how Katherine Heigl's first big role before Izzy Stevens was playing Izzy Evans on a show, uh, uh, Roswell, the TV show. Um, So she said, conspiracy, conspiracy, coincidence. Does she just have an Izzy face? The world may never know. Apparently she does. So Isabel Stevens and Isabel Evans, which is hilarious, but the Isabels were spelled differently and Megan made sure to call that out. So, uh, Megan also does have a podcast, uh, shout out. My sister made me view it. Uh, haven't had a chance to listen to it yet. So I'll, I'll bring that back next week once I have a chance to listen. But, uh, uh, so fellow, fellow entertainment world. Uh, so Megan, thank you for listening. Really appreciate you being a part of the show and Kelsey back to you, Camille and Alex storyline. 
Yeah. So Camille comes in at the beginning of the episode. Um, it is a different person playing Camille. Um, I read into it and they just said Tessa Thompson just wasn't available. Um, I think initially when they wrote that character, they, I don't know that they really planned on bringing her back. So, um, it just didn't work out to have Tessa Thompson on there. So they did have to recast the role, but it was just a scheduling conflict. It wasn't anything else. Um, the, her coming back, I think ties in nicely with the Richard and Adele stuff we've been seeing lately. Um, this is a heartbreaking, but, but wonderful storyline for Richard, in my opinion, like he does such a good job. Um, like defining the line of family and doctor. And he's like, I want you to do this as someone who loves you. But I also like recognize as a doctor, like what your rights are and like your right to choose your quality of life and everything. Um, and I love when Adele is like your whole life, you put, you know, being a doctor above your family. And the one time I want you to put your doctor doctoring first, you won't fucking do it. Like, it's just like brutal, but it's such a good, such a good storyline for the two of them. Yeah, it's, I was very surprised when they came in, so I was not expecting this. Mm -hmm. Uh, Also, I do want to call out that there's not, like, when you're saving a life, it's not always in the medical sense. And that's something that needs to be called out because Weber is, in fact, saving Camille's life she's just he's just not saving her physical health and those are two different distinctions that need to be made uh because camille there's that scene later on where she's like i want to live my life like i'm tired and weber is like well here's the deal i've got what is it's like i've got 13 different oncologists i've got seven different medications from all of these different countries yeah and no guarantees. Mm-hmm. And yeah. he just kind of lets her go. And it's sad because Adele can't understand that. And also Adele calls. She's like in front of Camille's mom is like, this is the closest we'll ever have to a kid. Save our baby. And like the mom is right there. Well, I kind of I don't think she means like we've raised her. I think she's just like, this is like we've been so entwined in this person's life. I don't know. I was I was uncomfortable a little bit. I said, stop trying to like if that was someone uh, trying to steal my my kid and I'd be like, listen, just shut up. Just just this is my kid. Get out of here. Um, yeah. The main thing that an issue I had with it was mostly. Well, I think two things. I don't like when Richard's talking to Camille and he says, like, as your uncle, I want you to do this. And as your doctor, I want you to do this. I don't feel like he does as good a job explaining that to Adele. Cause I feel like it's so clear and it makes so much sense when he's talking to Camille and you're like, this is right. This is the right thing to do. And then I don't know if he's just like bumbling around it or Adele just like, can't like see that side of it. But I just don't think he does that good of a job explaining it to her. Um, so I found that to be annoying. And then also when at some, when they first come in and Camille and her mom are there and Camille says something about like not wanting to fight anymore. And her mom also like kind of agrees with her, but then, then Adele gives pushback. And that's when I'm like, okay, if her and her mom are on the same page, then you are going to have to like take several seats and calm down. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
the line that really gets me is when Weber is like, as as your uncle, the world's a better place with you in it. Yeah. My my world. And I'm like, mm. fuck. Yeah, it's sad. Fuck. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, it's heartbreaking. Um, how do you think that that storyline ties in with the whole forgiveness thing? Um, I think it's the opposite. I think it's the other side of you've got um, Callie who forgave George right off the bat, but didn't. And you've got Adele who didn't forgive Weber right off the bat, but now has. And at least uh, my interpretation is I think that she's forgiven him. Like the Ellis thing mm-hmm. is in the past. Like she's, she's dead. Like it's like, let, let was it? What's it saying? Let, let dead dogs lie or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he's trying, we see off screen that he's trying, he's making dates. He's not successful 100%, but I think he's trying in a way that we haven't seen in the first couple of seasons. And we're led to yeah. believe he hasn't done in the last however many years. And there was this forgiveness where the baby died and they're in the, the the room where it looks like we're being led to believe Adele dies, yeah. but she didn't. Uh, but then I think she backtracks after this episode, and I think I'm yeah. being led down the path of she was she did forgive him, but she's like, no, I I can't now I can't. Or yeah. maybe it's bringing up all those other feelings, even with her quote of like you're, you're you doctored all this time. Now I'm asking you to be family, whatever, blah blah blah. So. I think it's the other side of forgiveness. It was a long yeah. road and now she's pulling it back as to where Callie was the short road, but never really meant it. Yeah. Um, I think is also, it, what was yours? Um, it's like different kinds of things that are unforgivable. Like what George, when Cal, when George says what I did is unforgivable. And I think um, this is like a different kind of thing. That's not adultery, um, but it's still something that uh, to Adele, in this moment, at least feels like she's never going to be able to get past it. That's fair. That's a fair point. I didn't, I didn't really interpret it that way. Uh, but I like, I like getting to hear that. Um, but it's tough when it's, it's not like there's three people involved in both scenarios, Mm -hmm. but Adele loves the third person involved. Yeah. Callie doesn't give a fuck about Izzy. <laughs> no, she does not. Um, on that note, let's talk about that end scene between Callie and Izzy because that is incredible. Do it. When she, Take it away. When, okay. So Callie finds Izzy uh, and she kind of turns to walk away. This is at the very end of the episode, like the end of the day. Um, uh, Izzy kind of flags her down and she's like, wait. And she apologizes for the cafeteria thing explicitly says, I'm sorry about what happened in the cafeteria. And then later on is like, I'm sorry about everything. Won't say I'm sorry. I slept with your husband. Like just as like, I'm sorry about everything. Um, so I think sometimes when you do something really terrible, you don't want to verbalize it, even though you know it's wrong. It just like makes it that much harder to admit that you've done something terrible. Um, and Callie is like, George broke a vow, but you did this to another woman. Yeah. And then she says, don't you dare come to me for forgiveness, you traitorous bitch. Savage. Truly. Um, I want to make like a disclaimer because I definitely think um, in scenarios where there's infidelity, like I don't necessarily think that the outside of the relationship person is at fault a lot of the time 
this scenario is very different because the three of them, their lives are very intertwined. They know each other. And from like day one, Callie has had this fear and they have both like talked down to Callie about it. Basically like, that's so fucking dumb. Like a borderline gaslighting her, making her think that she's a, a crazy person. Um, just to then do this terrible thing. And so this to me feels like a, a good vindication. And like, obviously the scenario, if, if you're married, you, there's more of a reason to try to fix it with the person you're married to versus like, this is the outside person. Like you don't owe them anything, but maybe a swift punch in the cafeteria. Right. But, in front of everyone, yeah. but no HR and no security team. Yeah. So, um, I just like that moment where Callie has struggled for basically the whole episode to kind of like work through her feelings and vocalize anything in this moment. She does say very clearly how she feels. And I, I do like that for her. Yeah. And it's, it's coming on, I think it's coming on the heels of, uh, or where did, what did she say? Oh, no, no, no. This is, this is coming on the heels of that scene where the guy, um, the guy's outside smoking. He's a piece of shit. Yeah. That whole, that's all fucking wild. Uh, he's out there smoking and he's like, Oh my, my girlfriend's not going to care. Like she's in surgery. It's been a wild day. And, And Callie's like, um, she won't care because she's dead, you dumb fucker. You yeah. asshole. And Did she, you think Ruthie was going to die? Like, no! how surprised were you? <laughs> yeah. And also... She, goes, she won't forgive you because she's dead. And I'm like, whoa, oh Callie, this is really how you're telling this man? Uh, no <laughs> bedside manner. Brutal. Uh, but then, he, like, she starts yelling at him, and she's, like, ready to fight this guy, mm-hmm. and she yells, you don't, what does she say? You don't destroy the person, the person that you, you love. love. So, like, you're seeing this, that's the scene that you see, Callie, and then you you the next time you see her is with Izzy and like, there's all this raw emotion built up. And to your point about Izzy having this fear from day one, she, she says something to the effect of like, you took advantage of the situation. Like you were his best friend. Mm -hmm. So when you talk about other infidel, uh, the other infidelity piece and it's, it's the guy manipulating the situation, which does happen. Um, this is for sure Izzy manipulating the situation behind the scenes because she she has her feelings for George. She re- realizes she has feelings for George. She's every chance she has. She tells George, break up with Callie. You mm-hmm. made a mistake. I know Meredith is dead, but fuck you. Uh, <laughs> like uh, all this shit. Um, and the way that Callie puts it all together, I, I'm reminded that she puts it together because it was the first time that Izzy was truly like trying to be nice. And she's oh. like, okay, you were nice <laughs> to me. So this is what happened. Like you got your fucking yeah. way. You, sh- you shit the bed. Like, wow. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Um, to touch more on the Ruthie thing. Um, the storyline was like from the get go, you're like, this relationship is horrendous. It's so like, icky. Clinic, Everything about it. It's bad. Like ju- even from them in the clinic, like imagine a scenario, like I was just thinking if I hurt myself that badly and I'm in the hospital and I'm like, can you just give me a shot so I can go meet my trainer? Michael would be like, can you calm down? You can need you to literally get not? <laughs> yeah. Can you like, this is more important. You are injured. You need to focus on them. The guy's just like, yeah can she meet her trainer can you just like not do an x-ray like 
that relationship is actually toxic. Terrible. Um, Terrible. And so, and like through that, you kind of see Callie's um, processing go with that storyline through the episode. Cause like, should they get the x-rays back? And um, Bailey's like, don't you want to do tests to like, see why sh- her f- bones are f- shattering like this. And Callie's like very just detached and not fully focused. And she's like, Oh, I see it all the time in older women. And she's like, well, this girl's 26. So like settle down. <laughs> and Callie's like, Oh, okay. And then later on when they are going to do the surgery, um, and the guy is like, we came here to get her leg fixed. So fix her leg. And Callie's like, okay. Yeah. Um, but then later on, like after that, before Ruthie goes into emergency surgery and starts vomiting blood, um, that's when she actually gives the guy pushback. And cause they're like, oh, she's going to be in a cast for like 12 weeks. And the guy's like three months. <laughs> and she's going to put on like, so much weight that cow. Yeah, literally. And Callie's like, it's, it'll be longer if she doesn't eat. And yeah. he's like, she's fine. She's like, clearly she doesn't. Yeah. She, she tripped br- and her bones like shattered like glass. Yeah. Yeah. And the line where uh, uh, they're like, oh, he said, if I get down to a size four, we'll move in together. And he's it's like, disgusting. well, I gave up. I gave up something, too. I stopped smoking. Like, shut the fuck up. Yeah, it's really icky. And so later on when Callie's like, you didn't love her, she was just good for your ego. Mm. Um, mm. I'm like, that's probably correct. Yeah. Because, but, and also this episode as a whole, like it's, it's a good episode. I like it. I don't think it's like a life-changing episode or anything, but that one moment of her screaming at that man in the rain lives in my head rent-free. Like I think oh, yeah. about that all the time. I don't know why. She just does... Like the the writing on that is so good and the build up to it is incredible. And then obviously like the environment of like outside in the dark and it's raining. Yeah. Um, and then yeah. Sarah Ramirez just crushes the delivery on it. Um, it's just such a like brutal moment. Yeah. And also I will tell you my initial like I, I didn't read into all of this perfectly at the beginning of the episode. I thought that she was having an affair with her trainer. When she was like, oh, uh, I need to get to the trainer. I need to get, like, I need to, can you just fix this? Can I just get an injection? I need to get to the trainer. I was like, yo, are you fucking this trainer? <laughs> uh, so that's where my head went to initially. Um, but, uh, yeah, when she puked up blood, I was like, oh, like, she's not doing well. Yeah, this is bad. Like, absolutely terrible. Yeah, I definitely think that it comes out of left field, like, when I watch these episodes now during this rewatch, I try and take notice of like how much warning they give for things. And like, you can kind of tell like in a lot of episodes, Oh, this person is for sure going to die. Um, and this one, I was like, wow, you do not think that she is going to die. No. Uh, especially because like you, you don't see anything else underlying other than she's obviously she's underweight. She's malnutrition. There's malnutrition happening. Um, but uh yeah and then it's like so, the ibuprofen acts as like a blood thinner so they can't stop the right. bleeding once it happens yeah right yeah it's uh that was pretty wild because um, you don't i mean it's similar to susan you don't think like oh someone with the hiccups is gonna die you're like someone with a broken ankle isn't gonna die right exactly um 
But before we go to the next topic, uh, everyone, we're going to take a very quick pause for a couple messages from our sponsors. There may be none, but there may be some. So with that, <laughs> we're working on it. We're, we're trying working to figure on it out. Um, <laughs> but if they want to grace us with their beautiful words, uh, this is where it's going to be. So we'll be right back. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. And we are back. Incredible. Oh, that was so nice. Wow. Good job. Or it wasn't. It was, it was nice or it wasn't. <laughs> like, or it was silent. So sorry, yeah. guys. Oh, goodness gracious. Um, since we're already paused, we will go ahead and, and take our time to do everyone's favorite segment, Living in Shondaland. Living in Shondaland! Incredible. Okay, so we have two people, one man and one lady. One man, one lady. One man, one lady. Um, I'm going to go ahead and loop this in together. It's our running couple. That's it. It's the couple it's runners. Not, it's Damn neither it. of them. <laughs> Damn it. Um, so it's the dad of the football player. Ooh. And uh, Gretchen, the one that they tell is dying when she's not. <laughs> um, okay. So Michael McGrady plays Stanley, who is Adam's father, the coach of the football team. Uh, he is in one episode of How to Get Away with Murder. I don't remember which one. I'm so sorry. Hmm. He is an AUSA. I think it was season four or five. He's like one episode where he's probably just one of the lawyers in court. Oh, okay. And then Mir- Miriam Flynn, uh, who is Gretchen Blitzer, is in one episode of Scandal. It's season four. You haven't gotten there yet. so I'll let you know when I do. Yeah. Uh, do you want to talk about her first and then we'll talk about the dad? Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, we'll go right into Mrs. Blitzer and Meredith and Norman. So, um, Meredith takes Norman off of Alex's hands for the day. They have to do discharges for Mark and they have to discharge their first patient to hospice. So they go tell this woman like, Oh, this is the situation. Like, so sorry. There's nothing else we can do. This storyline to me is nothing but plot holes. Oh, terrible. Everything if, about this. If I went in to get moles removed and they came in and told me I was dying, I would have 1,800 follow-up questions that would yeah. lead them to figure out that they told the wrong person. Or like, hey, I've been dealing with Dr. Sloan. Can I please talk to him yeah. for a minute? Like, what the fuck? And then she leaves. Just yeah. leaves. Uh, and but, uproots her entire life. Yeah. Which I kind of understand. I, I do think that sometimes I'm like... You know, if you get that news, you probably would make those kinds of choices. Um, but after the 18,000 follow-up <laughs> questions to validate, like, mm-hmm. 
Okay, how much time do I have? There is nothing left to do for the illness you didn't know you had. (laughs) Right, because of your moles. Uh, Also, I do want I I I do want to pause and rewind a little bit. The reason that Meredith and Norman are together is because Alex pawns off Norman in exchange for Meredith working the weekend so that she can go uh, away to this romantic Mm -hmm. getaway with Mm -hmm. Derek, which we'll circle back to later. But Gosh, man, this Norman fucking up everything again. Bless him. He's doing he's doing better this episode. And it's funny that he's trying to act like a youth where he says seriously and crap and all that. I think it's very <laughs> funny. They write that storyline so funny where he's like, I'm going to start acting like these children. Um, and then Meredith says, like, stop with the seriously. <laughs> Straight up just tells him to stop saying it. Um, oh, dear. I mean, crap. Oh, crap. Uh, so funny. So funny. Edward Herman's so funny. Um, May you rest in beautiful peace. Truly. Um, so yeah, Gretchen bails to go like run about. Um, they can't get a hold of her. Norman leaves. He's like, I'm going to fix this. I've done this. I'm going to fix it. So he leaves and he just goes to her apartment and brings her back to the hospital so that they can tell her. And she's like, don't worry, I quit my job and I dumped my boyfriend and I gave up my apartment and I bought a ticket to Iceland. Like, thank you guys so much for telling me I'm dying. And they're like, good news. You're not dying. (laughs) And then she panics. (laughs) Here's my issue with, with the premise that Norman got her back on. If I just found out I'm dying and someone says you forgot to pay a bill. Fuck you. (laughs) Good. Good. Did I yeah. forget or did I intentionally say fuck the healthcare system? Hard yeah, to say. Yeah, write this shit off when I'm dead. Like, I'm not coming back to the hospital. And she's like, oh, sorry, my bill. I forgot yeah. about it. Yeah, again, this this storyline is nothing but plot holes. Um, so ultimately, she ends up, the hospital settles so that she doesn't sue them and uh, buys her a house in Iceland. So that's good for her, honestly. Like, live in the dream. It's pretty impressive. I would not uh, mind to go to Iceland. You know, Iceland is the See green the sights. one. That's what I hear. I think I say that every time we talk about yep. Iceland. <laughs> um, Iceland is the green one. So, yeah, I hear it's nice over there. Um, if you're listening from Iceland, hello. I hope you're hello. well. Hello. Uh, actually, um, you know what? Yeah. Speaking of, let me just look at this real quick, because I don't think I mentioned that on uh when we were talking about the beginning of the episode. So I want to shout out the, the top tens for uh, any, any newcomers into our top tens over the last seven days. So let me just pull that up real quick. Uh, last seven days, um, which by the way, we've had just a killer streaming week. Uh, so thank you to everyone. Uh, if you've listened to one episode, listen to another. If you're on your second Please. episode, listen to a third. Uh, if you need to just download all of them so that you can go on a road trip and you're going through the Alps or you're going through the Rockies and you have terrible service, just uh, <laughs> um, uh, just download it so you don't need to worry about your, your cell, cell connection. Um, okay. So let's see. Let's see. Okay. Okay. So we've got some new, some new names. Uh, t- one that I've never heard of before. One, two, three, four, five, six. At number six, we have Jernsey. Gu- Whoa. Gernsey? I'm G-E- not familiar. G-U-E-R-N-S-E-Y. I got to Google that real quick. And then Angola. So oh. we've got uh, some Hello, new friends. countries. 
Yeah, so hello. I apologize. My world geography is clearly not uh, incredible. So Angola is um, the off the west coast of South Africa. And then Jernsey. Jernsey is an island in the English Channel off the coast of Normandy. That's pretty dope. So shout out, friends. Uh, you've taught me some incredible new things about world geography. And then it, I'd also be remiss if I didn't shout out Portugal for being number seven. Number seven. Uh, so six, seven, and eight is Guernsey. Uh, Jernsey, I apologize. Please, please message in and let us know how it's pronounced. Uh, The number uh, seven is Portugal and number eight is Angola. So thank you. Some new listeners. Appreciate you guys. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Um, So, yes, she's in Iceland. Um, So good for her. Uh, So let's circle back then to. Well, since we're on this topic, we'll circle back to the Meredith and Derek of it. Um, This episode, guys. This is a flip-flop for me. I think Derek, in relation to Meredith in this episode, does a good job. Interesting. Tell me more. in relation to Christina and Lexi, pissed me off so much. (laughs) Um, That's funny because I'm the opposite. Okay, here's my thought process on it. Um, At the end of the episode, when he is... They, he does the big speech before the elevator and he says like Meredith's like, Oh, I got my shift covered. And he's like, I don't want just 48 hours. I want to marry you. I want to have kids with you. I want to live to be 112 with you. I want to love you forever. And he's like, I say these things and you fight the urge to run and that's okay. Like I understand why, like I know what I want. I'm, you know, I've been doing this longer. I know where I'm at in life and like you're younger, you, you aren't there yet. And that's fine. I understand that. And I respect that. And I can wait for you to be ready. But if while I'm waiting, I find someone who wants that all as well. Like, I don't know that I would say no. And like, honestly, I understand where he's coming from. To me, it just tracks. And like, I also, I like that this realization kind of came from Mark because Meredith thinks it's Lexi and Derek's like, no, Mark was like, you know, she is still green. She is still a baby. She doesn't, she's not in this spot yet. She's She's still an intern. Yeah. And so I, I think the, the point here is valid. Um, and the presentation that he gives is fair i think he's not really blaming her he's like i understand why we're in different places but like i can't continue on pretending like i'm okay with just having a little bit when i want everything and i think that's valid and i just actually appreciate the way that he presents it to her yeah it's actually it's there's there's quite a lot of empathy there's quite a lot of understand understanding Mm -hmm. and you have to yeah, and when you look at it, obviously you're like put yourself in Derek's shoes. He was married. That didn't go well. But once you're married, it's not like you can just you don't just snap back to being unmarried. It's yeah. it's not and in Derek, we for all of his flaws and all of his traits, we kind of get this picture that he's this uh monogamist. 
Uh, and he wants to be in those relationships. He wants to be intertwined with that life, which yeah. I respect. Now, the thing that I don't, this, this is where I do have beef. Just go on the trip and tell her while you're in Sonoma or Napa, wherever that is. And eh. I don't, I don't know. I think that you don't say that in the hospital and you don't say that after Meredith was spent, spent all day, like pissed off that him and Lexi are talking. That's yeah. not creating a good environment for her to be receptive, I think. Um, yeah. Because emotionally, she's already, you're seeing a defensiveness in in how her character is played out through the day. I actually really appreciated Derek, even if it is uh, Meredith's half-sister, he's doing a good job as a teacher of a teacher, and it involves Lexi. That Like the Derek, Christina, Lexi storyline, I actually am a big fan of this episode. Um, See, um, there are parts that I think are good, but at the very beginning when Christina's like, hey, go see if this person needs her dressings changed. And he's like, why don't you go do that? To me, that's bad because that's under like Christina is in charge of Lexi and he's now undermining Christina in aspect to Lexi. And like it just to, to me, that's like not the vibe. I don't disagree with you. Later on, when he pulls Christina aside and he's like, it's your job to teach. And then he gives the opportunity to teach in the OR and she does a good job. I agree. Like that is, that is good. But like the whole, like there's lots of undermining and like he, like when Christina tells Lexi to get out because she has like potentially fucked up the whole traction helmet thing. I, and then he comes in and he's like, Hey, why don't you leave? I'm like, this is not, she's an intern. Christina is right. I'm not I'm not saying that it was perfect. I, I like it's a compelling storyline to me. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. I think uh you're seeing a lot of layers to that. You're seeing Derek try to get to know Lexi because mm-hmm. it gives insight to Meredith. Even if it is an ulterior motive, you're seeing the effort. You're mm-hmm. seeing Derek also say, I know that this is what I'm doing, but like also you need to be a fucking teacher. And you're not gonna get to where you wanna be if you don't learn how to do that. So yeah, there's and a lot I do going think on there. I like the presentation of like these people have to learn how to be teachers because they're not just going to know how to do it after being interns. So I like yeah. they're acknowledging like, oh, they're not just going to immediately like be good at this job. Yes. And then you get the added layer of like Meredith seeing Derek and Lexi talking, which mm-hmm. have you seen the, the movie Office Space? Um, A long time ago. Yeah. So do you remember the scene where the guy, uh, he has the mustache, he's a little bit more overweight, he's got glasses. He he wants to spend the settlement money from getting hit by a car uh, to create the jump to conclusions, Matt. <laughs> I feel like that's Meredith in this whole episode. Yeah. She's just jumping to conclusions every time she sees Derek and Meredith. Um, but I, I see where you're coming from with, with their storyline. Uh, the Christina and Lexi storyline is very interesting to me. I want to see how that plays out because they're setting it up to be, in my opinion. Um, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, interesting. Uh, but hmm. you're, I think you're setting it up to be like, okay, well, Lexi's going to earn the respect of Christina in some way and she's not going to call her three anymore or whatever it is. Yeah. Something's going to happen. And what's the event that it's going to be the tipping point? Yeah. Um, so we'll go into the, the football kid because ugh. this one kind of bothered me also. Cause I didn't really think that there was a good resolution. 
like at the end, they just like, okay, so the kid comes in, he was at a football game or football practice and he has been hit really poorly and he's paralyzed, but like they think they can potentially fix it by realigning his spine with um, traction. So they have to drill a traction halo into his skull. Terrifying. And then put 20 pounds of weight to stretch him back correctly. Terrifying. Um, The dad from the get go is like, it is your fault. Not helpful. Um, At all. Yeah, son, if you would have just been good at football, you would never be in this scenario. You got, you know, that this kid didn't even want to play. Like this is the dad forced him to play football. Yeah. And, um, so Derek, basically, as soon as Derek gets in, initially kicks the dad out because there's already hostility. Um, they have to kick him out of the room multiple times throughout this storyline. He does not learn any lesson at any point. It's like, and then at the end, uh, it all works out, I guess. And then the dad yeah, is just I like in, in there talking to the kid and they're friendly again. It's not really, this is more of a... I guess like the platter on which they serve you, the Christina, Derek, Lexi storyline. Um, so it's not super fully like rounded out. Um, so if you look at it kind of with a more critical eye, it's easier to find issues with it. Um, because there's really not, it's not clear what happens. Yeah. I think the last time you see them on, excuse me, podcast burp, the last time you see the two of them on camera, it's like the dad's like, rubbing his son's head and it looks yeah. kind of tender and emotional and it's like nice but uh at one point the kid's like oh this is painful and the dad's like painful is if you never get to walk again yeah. like, like what the fuck true. kind of, i both mean yes but like how do you why is that your response also yeah. is he an only child are you a single dad like what else is going on in the storyline yeah. that's making you a piece of garbage right now yeah there's not there's not it's not good also, how does he keep coming back in? Fleshed out, yeah. Once you're yeah, out, I just you're felt out. That's, that relationship and storyline was not fleshed out enough for me to be like, "Oh, good. I feel good about how this ended." Um. So yeah, I don't know. Not, not I don't have a lot to say about them more because a lot of times, um, with the patients, it's mirroring, you know, the the grander theme of the episode, and they're like all learning, like the patients are learning lessons, and the doctors are learning lessons, and everybody's learning right. and growing together. And I guess you can be like, well, this kid forgave his dad for being a piece of shit, but like, why? You know, you, you say something. Apologize. <laughs> no, well, not that we see on screen. I guess yeah. we're as the audience left to deduce that there is reconciliation there. Um, but you you said something that I really like that makes sense but i don't think we've ever verbalized it is this is the storyline to which we are served on the platter for the greater lexi Derek christina yeah. storyline that's such a great way to put that did you read Thank that somewhere you. no i actually wrote that myself in my little Gosh. little baby sick brain <laughs> you're so smart your little baby sick sick brain is yeah, just the best brain fog of dehydration and exhaustion <laughs> um, lack of nutrients and you don't <laughs> even have a don't even have a starry there to replenish your, I your don't, nutrients I don't. um so yeah i mean and i think a lot of the times what one of the things that makes this show great is most of the time those characters that we only see in one episode are really fully fleshed out for us and we see their their storyline beginning middle and end like come full circle and like tie in with whatever else we're, we're seeing which like with the camille thing i think that one ties in a lot better and and obviously we that's not the 
best example because we've seen her prior, but um, I just think that this one in particular, I'm like, there's just, it, it's just lacking. Yeah, I agree. Um, who so who have we not. not physically touched on yet? I think we, we haven't talked a lot about Mark. There's a little bit of like nice Mark moment in this. Mm-hmm. Um, and Bailey. Bailey and was Bailey. involved with the Callie and Ruthie situation. And I, I love her at the end or not at the end, but after Callie is screaming at the guy and she's like, I'm going to ask you one more time. Are you okay? And Callie says, I'm fine. It's nothing. And Miranda goes, Oh really? Cause nothing almost cost you your career just now. Such a savage moment. I, I gotta tell yeah. you though, I'm the way that they're writing Bailey throughout this whole Callie thing. I'm actually a little bit disappointed. Um, because, Bailey isn't the kind of person that's going to accept that nothing's wrong. Yeah. Why has she not said fucking come here, sit down and say your shit because I'm not going to watch a peer of mine go down in flames like this. To me, it makes sense because in the previous episodes when she was like, I'm not used to being number two. So she, I think is learning how to, be a respectful peer, but also now Callie has a little more authority. So she's trying to like figure out like, what can I do? Like, is this overstepping? Just necessarily being the quote unquote Bailey that we know who just like says whatever and like is normally right. Right. Um, But I think she's holding that back because of the chief resident situation and not knowing like if she's um, like crossing lines or, or pushing boundaries or something. I, I guess I, I can see that and I can understand that it's just a bummer because I want to yeah. see Callie, uh, sorry, Bailey help Callie through this. Yeah. And um, I think also they've established that Bailey tries to keep the personal separate. Obviously this personal is like affecting the professional, but again, I think it's just her kind of trying to navigate like what that means for, for her. But even from a professional sense, like let's say we strictly look at this from a professional sense and she's the number two. Mm -hmm. Uh, There were multiple times with this, this Ruthie uh, and what's, what's the guy's name? Do we have a name for that guy? I'm sure we do. I don't even remember piece of garbage, man. Yeah. Yeah. Piece of garbage, man. Uh, It's there's multiple times in this episode where Callie's disengagement puts Bailey in an uncomfortable spot to recover the situation. Mm -hmm. And I think to me, if I'm looking at the the Bailey that we've grown to know over the last three, almost, you know, moving into four seasons is I get that there's personal stuff, but I'm not going to let you fuck over my career. Yeah. Well, and and I think that's the standpoint that I would want to see trying to like guide her to be doing her job but the way she's doing it isn't like the bailey that we've seen before so that's why it's jarring and confusing um yeah so uh mark he's good you know he's like whatever norman you're old and then at the end he's like i'm gonna write you up and meredith says well don't write norman up it was my responsibility as his resident i didn't double check i was distracted and he's like well that's noble of you stupid but noble and it's a genuine moment. He's like, wow, good job. Okay, that's dumb, but okay, your call. Yeah, yeah. Well, even from the get-go, the first scene we, uh, the first scene we get with Mark and, and Meredith and Norman, he's like, 
he tells Norman, call me Mark. Uh, yeah, everyone keeps and, doing this to Norman. like, I didn't, I didn't know that you were with someone else. I thought you were with me. And she's like, well, this is my intern, you <laughs> idiot. Um, so obviously he's like, well, fuck, I should have just, I feel duped, like, but I'm going to blame you, uh, Meredith, yeah. not me, uh, which is funny. But then, um, the scene where they let him know about the hospice thing, uh, yeah. he's like, man, I thought that old guy would have taken it or that, that old man would have taken it, uh, better. And they're like, he's a woman. And he's like, well, I'm not <laughs> sexist. What the fuck are you talking about? Uh, which is hilarious yep. because we do see like kind of a sexist dick version of Mark through most of yeah. the, you know, meeting him. So when he's like, I'm not sexist. Okay. That's yeah. what a sexist would say. Mark <laughs> normally is. Yes. Um, so yeah, I've I got think, plenty of friends yeah. who are women. <laughs> I know so many, I have binders full of women. <laughs> um, okay. I think we've touched on everything. Is there anything else th- from this episode that was like a standout moment that you want to mention that you don't think we touched on enough? Uh, let's see. I'm trying to think the, the Chris, the, sorry, uh, Christina in general, uh, I like the scene where in, in Derek's surgery, she's like dealing with the bleed and like, she talks Mm -hmm. Lexi through how to find it. And then Derek has this good redemption moment for, for Christina where it's like, okay, uh, Dr. Yang, can you please step in? And it's very subtle, but it's very nice. And it's a strong moment for, for Christina. I like that. Um, the Meredith Derek storyline is really frustrating me, but I, I get that it has to happen the way that it's happening. I like that they're bringing Mark into Derek's, uh, thought process and like, Mm-hmm. working through this isn't i'm not addicted what you want. yeah yeah it's it's you're you're slowly transitioning away from you, a couple of episodes ago you see Derek call Meredith this drug this bad thing when now he's like it's okay she she's maybe she's not bad for you but you need to just recognize what she is and if you call a spade a spade i think we can all yeah. understand that this is what you want but is it what you get who knows um George, piece of shit for the most part. Oh, the end scene with George and Callie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We definitely need to touch on that. Uh, it's worth noting that Callie was in the hotel by herself. Yes, it was like a mirror to the how it started, but George wasn't there. Yeah. Uh, what were your feet? I mean, obviously, you have the benefit of hindsight, but looking at this scene in particular with... with uh, the ending where, where George and Callie are in the rain. Um, how do you feel with that end scene? First of all, I have to say, um, I learned this term in 10th grade English and I love it so much. Pathetic fallacy, which is where in a show or a piece of literature, the weather uh, reflects the mood or the theme of the conversation that's happening. So like a very serious conversation in the dark rain, like to me, I'm always like, yes, I prefer that to like a super romantic moment in the rain. Like I could give a shit about kissing in the rain, but like these like really brutal, like life ending conversations that happen in the rain. I'm like, "Mm, yes, Um, Disney does it all the time. You know, every time they're fighting a villain, it's raining. But uh, and the, the benefit of placing this show in Seattle is that they can make it rain whenever the they want and no one's going to question it. Um, so I love that it's in the rain and it's all dark and thundery. And he's just like, you say you forgive me, but you don't, um, you know, you can't just say what I did was unforgivable. And she goes, 
you're right and just leaves yeah it's <laughs> it's definitely i what i like about it is she doesn't g- give him any validation she doesn't yeah she she says that she doesn't forgive him which is of a, a total 180 from the opening scene of we said till death do us part like we're a partnership we're married like this is it forever um total flip-flop which is good because you're clearly now you've had a whole episode worth of going through emotions your husband's been running through the hospital i almost had to fist fight you know this girl that you cheated on me with it's crazy right and they're in the rain they're just standing there and it's yeah you know what George, you're right. I don't. I don't forgive you. I was wrong. But there's no I will forgive you or yeah, give or me we time. Can get through it. Yeah, it's just very matter of fact, end of the story. And then the next time you see her, it's she's alone. And I don't know where George is because he can't go to Burke's house. Yeah. Um also at the end, Izzy's crying and Alex brings her tissues and is like, keep yes. it down. And that's the Alex way of being like, sorry that I freaked out, but also I'm still annoyed at you. But also here's some tissues. But like, if you want to have sex, like I'm, I'm good for it. Like, let's do <laughs> Knock this. Knock on the door. Um, <laughs> right. Um, I forget that they, that he lives there. As yeah, soon as he knocked, yeah. I was like, oh wait, Alex lives <laughs> here. It's going to be Alex. Uh, uh, which, I also want to mention like the Lexi thing. They kind they harp on it more than they really show it. Like, they don't show Derek and Lexi talking a lot about Meredith just at the beginning when she's like, oh, it's weird. Um, But they don't really show more of those conversations, but they, they talk about it. So I just want to touch on it, but I don't think that's really to the point of fleshed out enough. I think it's something that they're setting up, obviously, as like Derek is grasping at straws to connect with Meredith. And this is how he can he thinks he can try and do that. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think that's like the main the main points of the episode. So I think um let's rate it and then we'll get into some predictions. All right. Do you want to rate it first or do you want me to rate it first? Um I'll go first. I'm going to give this guy a resident point 2. Okay. Cuz I just really like what we see from our core cast obviously like i said there are some plot holes in the patient side of it which brings it down for me but just the um the performance from sarah ramirez really i think is the standout in this episode and uh, i just love all the the way that we're watching this story unfold in real time and um, I mean, obviously I know what's going to happen, but I think that just the way they set everything up is super compelling to watch. I also have to give it credit because any episode where I like hate Derek less in relation to Meredith, I think it says a lot <laughs> for yeah, that episode. It's true. So um, credit where credit's due on that part. But uh, yeah, what about you? I'm going to give this a resident point seven, a little bit higher, oh, okay. a three, a 3.7, but that's it, what? Uh, that's oh i meant fellow point two i'm so sorry okay i was so you, 4.2 okay so you're 4.2 i'm 3.7 so we're actually we're we're, still, we're we're in close still yeah it's it's the exact same distance but opposite yeah <laughs> uh so a little bit less than you one it, it was actually it was almost i was i was sitting at a fellow and i thought no i, I gotta come down a little bit uh there was no real drama there was, to your point, some good 
uh, physical comedy with George throughout <laughs> the whole episode, which the way that you feel about Derek is anything that I could like could hate George a little bit less in this show mm-hmm. is good. Um, and I don't hate George. I hate the idea of George uh, yeah. for the record. He's a great actor. Um, but for me, it was um, wanting to see more. I, I was left wanting more from Bailey. I was left wanting more resolution for the football kid and his dad. Mm-hmm. Um, I was upset about the 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 Derek and Meredith storyline ending the way it did in the hallway. I would have liked for them to have the romantic getaway. That was like you open the episode. Derek's like planning it out. He's really trying to be this good guy. Do this, blah blah blah. And then he cancels his own plans after Meredith is forced to spend all day with Norman. Uh, and like <laughs> all of that shit was avoidable. If Derek would have just thought through these feelings before saying, let's get away. Let's just fuck for 48 hours. Um, let's just go to Bone Town in California in wine country. And we're not going to wine or country. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, so that that to me was a bit frustrating. But overall, it was a good episode. Like you said, Sarah Mira's incredible acting episode. Uh and the Derek, Christina, and Lexi storyline is intriguing. So I'm very curious how that plays out. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's get into our predictions. Um, what kind of noise was that? Uh, <laughs> you know, it's a prediction noise. Uh, okay, so Alex now knows about Izzy and George. So I'm curious as to your prediction on everyone else finding out how they find out and what their reaction is. Alex is going to say some shit. He's going to say some dumb shit. He's going to stir the pot. He's going to poke the bear. He's going to say it in the middle of an argument. uh, And it's probably going to be with all the friends hanging out and George is going to be there. And he's going to be like, why are you even here? You're an intern. Like you aren't one of us. And, then it's going to come out and that's, what's going to happen. And George is going to be like, but you and Izzy had sex and <laughs> na- you cheated on your wife. Uh, so I think that's how it's, co- that's how it's going to come out. Uh, was that the question? Uh, did I answer uh, Did I predict? I don't know. Uh, okay. Okay. Officially everyone else finds out. And by everyone, I mean Meredith and Christina find out within the next three episodes. So by season four, episode seven, Okay. They will. They will know. Okay. Um, and what do you think the future holds for George and Callie? I thought for sure that they were they were gonna. What did I predict last time? I don't even remember what I predicted. I felt like I thought they were going to break up but it was going to be a slow thing and there was going to be, I think I actually didn't I predict it yeah, perfectly. I think you said slow burn. Like uh, they were going to like tw- try and work it out and then it wasn't going to work out. Yeah. I think over the next three episodes, there's going to be some, he's going to try to earn the forgiveness, but I think that he's not going to stop loving Izzy. He's going to want to get out of it, but he's going to want in typical George fashion. He wants his cake and to eat it too. So he's yeah. going to want Callie to forgive him, but also he's going to want to be with Izzy. Um, mm-hmm. But I think in that period of time, maybe Izzy is lonely and uh, her and Alex are going to bone. Boner. Um, okay. And then. Boner. I barely Derek know Derek and Meredith. Derek and Meredith. Um, 
they're going to kiss next episode is my prediction. <laughs> okay. That's all I got for that right now. Uh, I think that's really it. I don't have any like major things to ask. I think the main thing right now is the George and Izzy and Callie shenanigans. So, yeah, I, um, I, I think there we're, we'll have resolution soon unless they, if they milk this storyline, the way they milked the, uh, Ava, Rebecca, uh, storyline, like, okay, is this what all of season four is going to be? It's just, yeah. Will they, won't they, whatever. Uh, but every time I think Izzy thinks to herself, oh, like I screwed up, I should back off. Like I can't be with a married man. She's like, she'll say these one liners of, um, some things are worth fighting for. Uh, some things yeah, are worth fighting in Alex, a cafeteria like, oh, for. It's not my fault. I fell in love. Yeah. Yeah. Like every time I think that she's smart enough to talk herself out of it, she just izzies her way back into it. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I'm very curious what happens with that storyline, but I hope it's not the whole season. If it's the whole season, I'm going to be very upset. Uh, so three episodes is all I give my attention span for this right now. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, tune in next week to see if Carmen is right. And anyway, I am going to apologize for being a little less than myself. I have a brain fog from vomiting up all of my insides. Um, so hopefully that won't be an issue for much longer. But uh, thank you guys for listening. Please, if you have a moment to share us on um, social media or share, send us to a couple friends. Uh, we really appreciate it. It's so cool, again, seeing the growth and the and seeing it spread more and more across the across the globe is incredible. So we really appreciate it. And uh, feel free to reach out to us. Uh, let us know where you are, how you found us. We love to hear from everybody. But if you see Carmen walking down the street. If you see me walking down the street, make sure to subscribe to the fresh new uh, episodes of Patreon. Show me that you subscribe to those fresh new episodes of Patreon. Take a selfie with me, uh, but do all of those things without spoiling it. No spoilies. Don't do the spoilers. We hate them. We hate them so bad. And we will see you all in the next one. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.